Men are being housed in women's prisons. Naked men are being permitted to enter women's locker rooms and spas. The federal government demands that domestic violence shelters admit men as residents. And this week, a man will be competing in the NCAA's Women's Swimming Championship, taking away titles, scholarships, and a fair playing field for female athletes. Strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. This is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, CEO and president of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. This week's Concerned Women Today is joined by an amazing, thoughtful woman leader named Kara Dansky. Kara has a great new book out called The Abolition of Sex. You've probably seen her on Fox News. She's an attorney. She's just an expert in this whole issue of men competing as women, the women's sports issue, and an expert in the so-called transgender issue. So Kara, welcome to Concerned Women Today. Thank you so much for having me, Penny. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Carrie, you and I have known each other for a while now, and you're not a right-wing activist, are you? So I registered as a Democrat in 1990, and I have been a registered Democrat ever since, except for a very brief period of time when I was registered California Green Party, and I <laughs> re-registered as a Democrat to vote in the 2008 presidential primary. Well, and so how did a nice liberal girl like you get mixed up in this whole issue? Like, what was the moment that made you realize, Kara, you had to use your voice and speak out on this really hot issue of the day? Well, so I've always been a feminist and I learned because of my feminist liberal friends in 2014, what a threat the so-called transgender agenda poses to the rights, privacy, and safety of women and girls. And I got very involved, as you know, in the Women's Liberation Front. Right. I got very involved in writing legal briefs to support women and girls throughout the federal judiciary. And uh, we got very involved in fighting for women and girls in the policy arena against the threat that including so-called gender identity in the law poses to women and girls. And today I'm very happy to serve as the president of the U.S. chapter of Women's Declaration International. Yes. And so, yes, we met, as you mentioned, when you were working with Women's Liberation Front, which is a group of self-identified radical feminists. And it was just this amazing time in which, you know, we were able to reach across the aisle and work together because all of us recognized almost at the same time that this issue had become a threat to our daughters, to women's sports, to women that are incarcerated, to women in domestic violence shelters, really the least of these. And, um, and we were able to link arms and start to work on it. And so I don't know how you, what that meant to you, but it actually meant a lot to me to meet these women that I really didn't have a ton in common with. I, we didn't have the same perspective on, for instance, the issue of abortion and other issues. But we were able to set that aside and we are still, you know, all of us working together to try to, to help young women coming behind us, women in college, you know, children K through 12 that are getting indoctrinated. 
Yeah, I, I'm so glad you raised that. And I think this is crucially important. One of my favorite moments in this whole fight happened in early 2019 when a journalist for the National Review, Madeline Kearns, posed a question to a panel that I was on and my friend Lierre Keith was on that same panel. She's the founder and current board chair of Women's Liberation Front. And Madeline Kearns asked the question, if the left can't solve this, can the right solve it? And Lierre's answer to that question was, it's not gonna be the left, it's not gonna be the right, it's going to be women fighting together to protect the rights, privacy, and safety of women and girls. And I think that this is crucial. We're in a time when our nation is very fractured on a bunch of issues, as of course you know. You and I, I'm sure, are at very opposite ends of the abortion discussion. Yes, we've and canceled each other's votes out on probably every election we both voted in, right? Right, you know, and, um, you know, I was there at the Supreme Court on December 1st fighting in favor of maintaining Roe versus Wade. And I'm sure many, and I saw many women. Yes, I was on the other side. On the other side. (laughs) And, you know, that's the reality and that's okay. And we can work with that. But women and girls have to join hands across the political spectrum to fight for our rights as women and girls against the threat posed by so-called gender identity, which doesn't have any basis in material fact. Well, and that's right. In fact, you wrote really an entire book addressing that. What what should people know about your book? What was sort of the moment, you know, the emphasis behind it? What was the thing that made you decide you really needed to, to write it? Thanks for asking. Yeah, I think what I what I really want everyone to understand is that this is not a fringe issue on the left. Um, I think it's very easy to dismiss this as a silly, crazy, lefty lunacy thing, um, because it is. It is a crazy lefty lunacy thing, but it has tremendous money behind it. So this is not a civil rights movement to protect the rights of a small minority of people. That is how it's being cast in most media outlets. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is a very top-down, money-driven, trillion-dollar-driven movement to abolish sex as a coherent category in the law and throughout society. So what I really want your audience to hear is please do not dismiss this. Please do not dismiss the silly and ridiculous issue of preferred pronouns as lefty lunacy, even though it is, but don't dismiss it. Take it very seriously as the threat that it poses to the material reality of biological sex. Well, and what people didn't realize, although you and I knew, is that this issue has been on the ascent now for, you mentioned 2014, I mean, for for a, a solid amount of time, certainly the last probably five to 10 years. And it went from, you know, sort of being talked about in academic quarters to permeating the schools and not just, you know, colleges and universities, but all the way down to kindergarten. I just saw recently on Twitter an editor for Real Clear Politics that his fifth grader came home with vocabulary words for science. And his mind was blown. The words were things like cisgender, transgender, consent, non-binary, you know, really these buzzwords for the left. And, you know, he's not alone in being shocked at what his kid is learning at school without his knowledge. 
women all over the state, the Commonwealth of Virginia, were shocked during COVID when their kids were at home online learning to see what was happening and what the ideology and the, you know, the provocation that their children were, were being, you know, force fed. And they, they weren't woke, but they sure were awakened. And we saw because of this, largely because of this issue, and people talked about CRT, but it was, a, I think, a lot less about CRT than it was gender ideology that Glenn Youngkin was elected. So we're seeing, whether it's in Loudoun County, Virginia, we're seeing across the country, suddenly parents are waking up to the point that now we have about uh, 11 states who have passed legislation specifically on sports. And I think there will be more coming on the issue of parental rights. In fact, we have to make sure that happens. Yeah, uh, so you're absolutely right that this has left the academy and crept into schools. I talk a little bit in my book about how so-called queer theory came to be during the 1960s and 1970s. And the central tenet of so-called queer theory is that sex isn't real and that it's not a binary. But if these academics had tried to sell Americans across the political spectrum on the idea that sex isn't real or that sex is not a binary, they never would have believed it. And so they made up a word and that completely made up word is transgender. And they've sold most Americans, all of us across the political spectrum on the idea that there is some category of people who are called transgender. And the truth of the matter is that every single one of us is either female or male. Everything else is a lie. And I'm really wanting Americans across the political spectrum to stop using the language of the opposition. I'll just say really quickly, Penny, I was so proud to stand with those parents in Loudoun County in October of 2021. And I thought they did a brilliant job. These are not experienced activists. They're not particularly organized, but this is a group of parents who stood together across the political spectrum. They took politics out of it and they said, we are here to stand for student safety. We are here to stand across the political spectrum for our children. And I was so proud to stand with them. And I agree with you 100% that a big reason why Mr. Yunkin won in Virginia is because of the teaching of so-called gender ideology in schools. I think it has much more to do with that than it does have to do with CRT, even though CRT is a much easier issue for the media to focus on. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent. That was the issue. And our members were at those school board me meetings in Loudoun and across the, the state, across the country. And that's the issue that they're really upset about. So I don't know, again, you're right. Probably it's a little easier and maybe, I, I don't know why the media chose not to focus on that issue, but it is a very real one. And, and proof of that is the rape that happened in Loudoun County, Virginia. You had a, a, a young man who went into the girl's restroom, raped the teenage girl, and, he, and by the school's rules, he had, had every right to be in there because he said that he identified as a woman. So they gave him the ability to enter that safe space, what should have been a safe space for women, he raped a young woman. They moved him to another school, lied about the whole thing, by the way, and then assaulted another young woman. So all and of then, that. Then after that, after that, knowing that, 
knowing that those things had happened, the Loudoun County School District formally approved the policy of allowing anyone to use any bathroom on the basis of their so-called gender identity. Well, and in the bottom line, and I've said this for a long time, this is what I said when Target, uh, I mean, how many years ago was that? Allowed men into women's dressing rooms. I said, here's the thing. I'm not so worried about whoever the guy is next to me changing. I'm worried about the predator who takes this opportunity because predators prey. It's what they do. They look for opportunities to prey on women, whether it's in a domestic violence shelter. And now we're talking about incarcerated women, women who cannot leave. And we in states across this country are starting to put men into women's prisons. I know that's something that you were kind of ahead of, I think, in the talking about in the state of Washington, California, Kara. Yeah, so it's really important that everyone understand that literally today, right now, at this minute, there are convicted rapists and murderers who are being housed in locked prison cells with vulnerable women. This is not theoretical. This is not something that might happen if President Biden gets his so-called Equality Act passed. This is literally happening right now. And it's not just Washington and California. I think it's really important that especially a conservative audience understand this is happening in almost all of our states. My understanding is that 49 states plus the District of Columbia have some policy on the books that allow men to be housed in women's prisons. Those state laws and policies vary, but this is happening across the country and it's so dangerous and it's so awful for those women. And I'm very angry that this is not a national scandal because mm -hmm. it really ought to be. It absolutely should be. I early in my career worked for a man named Chuck Colson, who's now passed away. Um, he was a guy who went to prison for Watergate and he came out and started a ministry called Prison Fellowship Ministry. And both my husband and I worked for them at different times earlier in our careers. And so I just have such a, a deep compassion for these women and men who are in, in prison, because, you know, again, these are, and, and from a, a biblical worldview and from a, for a Christian audience, Kara, you know, Jesus said, as you do for the least of these, you've done unto me in Matthew. And he specifically mentions people in prison. We have authority over them. That means that we're responsible for them, regardless of what they've done. One of the things I worked on was the prison rape bill. You know, if, if you're worried about a man being assaulted in a prison, the answer is not to put him in a women's prison. The answer is to take care of the situation in your prison. And Joe Biden wants to instead wipe sex off the books and make that on a federal and national level. And so we have to take that on and we have to take it on a state by state basis. Crime is a state issue, although there are federal prisons, but much more people are incarcerated at the state level. So this is just a really key issue for the audience to understand and so we need to really make sure as we're looking into our state laws and we recognize and talk to our governors and our representatives what is happening on the state level. Um, Kara, let's go to talk to me about the NCAA. What happened? <laughs> so the NCAA has for a number of years had a policy on the books that says that any man can compete on a women's team on the basis of his so-called gender identity if he has taken testosterone suppressing medication for one year. And first of all, that is just insulting. Mm -hmm. It is completely insulting to women to suggest that we are somehow, you know, just 
our hormone levels. Men, a hormone well, down to our hormone levels. That's it. That's it. We're just, we're inferior men with less testosterone or something. It's so insulting. Nonetheless, that has been the policy for some time. It recently uh, eliminated that policy and is now leaving it up to individual sports to determine the circumstances under which men are going to be permitted to compete on women's teams. I think the specific example you're referencing has to do with a man named Leah Thomas, who competed on the University of Pennsylvania men's swimming team for three years. And this past year has been competing on the women's swimming team. I have to say, I am an, uh, I'm an alum of University of Pennsylvania Law School. So while this issue bothers me tremendously across the board, this specific example is particularly worrisome to me because it's my alma mater. Right, but the felt an injury there. Yeah, um, the, the NCAA is permitting Leah Thomas, Mr. Thomas, to compete in the Women's National Swimming Championships in Atlanta starting on Wednesday, March 16th. And I hope Americans across the political spectrum will make a lot of noise about it and say, no, this is not acceptable. It's March 16th. So we're going to have our Young Women for America members are going to be out in force protesting at the meet. It's going to be at uh, Georgia Tech, I believe on the 16th, as you mentioned. Um, I think what is really shocking to note is that Leah Thomas, who used to be, I think it was Will Thomas, who has taken testosterone, but he's 6'4", enormous man. Um, and he was ranked as a male swimmer, for number 462. And as a female swimmer, of course, he is taking first by storm over a minute of, in time over the women's times. I mean, this puts him at the Olympic level. Yes. And so women, obviously, physically, we are, we are cognitively the same. We are able to compete. We are equal to men, but we're different than men. And physically, we are different than men. So even if your testosterone level has gone down, even if you we give you more estrogen, your heart's still bigger. You still have more strength. I mean, it, it is just absolutely nonsensical. And of course, the young women on the team who are afraid to speak out publicly are bravely, you know, behind the scenes trying to make their voices heard. And their parents, you know, the parents are saying the moms who the swim moms who were out every morning, you know, at, the, at 5 a.m. driving their daughters to the pool are saying, why did we do all of that? She literally cannot compete. And the women, of course, feel completely undermined. The records are being broken and taken away from them. And we're just kind of at this moment where the question is whether there will ever be women's sports again if something isn't changed and done. Yeah, I wanna call attention specifically, uh, and I just wanna thank you, Penny, for using the proper pronouns. Um, I, you know, so many Americans have just fallen into the habit of use, using so-called preferred pronouns because our society demands it and we've got to stop it. And I'm so grateful to you for just not falling into that trap. We need to refer to Leah Thomas as a man. We need to refer to him as he and him. And you're doing that. And I'm really happy to hear you doing that. Um, if any of your listeners would like to hear from a mom of an Ivy League swimmer, she's anonymous, but she was on a webcast on Women's Declaration International. So if you go to YouTube, 
Women's Declaration International. The video is called A Report from the Mother of a Swimmer. This is a woman whose daughter is on one of the Ivy League women's swimming teams and competed against Thomas and lost. And she sat in the stands and watched her daughter lose to a man. In fact, we have a clip right here. Let's take a listen. Day after day, we watched as a young lady was replaced in a final swim, replaced on the podium, erased from a record, a relay spot, and finally replaced for swimmer of the meet by a man, a six foot four man with a back twice as wide as any one of the girls out there. You know, I, th I think it's interesting that so far, I mean, maybe it'll change, but so far you have men swimming on women's teams or competing at women's sports, but you don't have women who are changing how they identify moving over to men's sports. I mean, obviously there's a reason for that. Obviously they cannot compete against the men. And so, you know, why would they? It's better for them to stay on the women's teams. But men feel very perfectly comfortable coming over and taking the trophies. And it just is in really infuriating when you think of that we are now at the 50th anniversary, getting ready to have the 50th anniversary of Title IX. You wonder, you know, all those women who were early, who were, who considered themselves feminists, women of your ilk, who worked very tirelessly to make sure that there was a few little set-asides for women's businesses, that women had their own sports opportunities, that they could compete for scholarships. And you wonder, the very same people, you know, that were supposed to be on their side betrayed them, really. It is literally a betrayal. And I just wonder what they're thinking now. It is an absolute betrayal. And it's a good opportunity to raise the name Patsy Mink who's the woman from Hawaii who initially introduced Title IX. She was a Japanese American and she fought all sorts of things for the opportunity to work in a law firm and eventually to serve in the United States Congress. And she introduced Title IX and uh, she's gone now, um, but we're forever in her debt. And uh, we, we need to expect to lose Title IX. Uh, the Department of Education we anticipate will embark upon formal rulemaking procedures starting in April. And I hope everyone across the country, women and men, I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on, I hope we will all take a stand to maintain Title IX. And what that means specifically is that Title IX was enacted to protect women and girls in the educational arena. It's implementing regulations allow for the maintenance of sex segregated sports teams and facilities like locker rooms and changing rooms. That is allowed currently under Title IX and its implementing regulations. And my organization, Women's Declaration International, very much wants that to stay in place. Well, and you know, you're, we've talked a lot about Title IX and Title IX violations in schools, you know, with sex assaults and, and other, you know, sorts of issues. And I think it's interesting to note, as you just said, that, um, Leah Thomas is able to change in the women's locker room and he's not alone. I mean, it's certainly happening across the country. And so you just wonder how universities speak out both sides of their mouths on this issue. Um, you know, I will tell you, I, I co-authored a letter with a friend of mine who runs an organization called Keep Prison Single Sex. She's an attorney as you know, and, and you know that I am as well. And she and I co-authored a letter that you can find on our website to the Philadelphia district attorney and to University of Pennsylvania 
officials who are responsible for overseeing sexual assault on campus. And we encouraged both entities, the district attorney and the university to investigate, to determine whether Leah Thomas's presence in the women's locker room violates either Pennsylvania state law or internal University of Pennsylvania policies. And we did not get a single response to that letter. That. Yeah, you're going to see all kinds of lawsuits after this is all over. There's no doubt there will certainly be lawsuits around all of this and all that's happening. Concerned Women for America filed uh, a civil rights complaint against Franklin Pierce University under the Trump administration and actually won at the Department of Education. We're getting ready to do the same at UPenn. We've done it in another case. And so, you know, there's opportunity there and we need to make sure we're pressing on that lever of power. And so, you know, I think a different administration would handle this differently. I, the Biden administration will not be interested in t- taking our position on this, but we are going to press on all the levers, including the legal ones. We will have action centers to make comments on rulemaking, as you just mentioned. It is all important to do. It all has to be done. So Kara, we, we need to wind up, but I would just love for you to, you know, any parting thoughts you have for our audience, tell them how they can buy your book and anything else you think we need to know. Sure. So please go to Amazon. It's called The Abolition of Sex, How the Transgender Quote Unquote Agenda Harms Women and Girls. Please check out the Declaration on Women's Sex-Based Rights, which you can find at womensdeclaration.com. And the only other parting things I would share with you, Penny, and with your audience is that I hear from Democrats, rank and file Democrats every day, who are just appalled and have had it, who have either left the Democratic Party over this issue or remain registered Democrats, as have I, despite our disgust with party leadership on this issue. I hear from rank and file Democrats every day who swear that they are not going to vote Democrat ever again because of this. And I'm doing my best to speak out. You know, I I get criticized frequently for going on Fox News, for going on Tucker Carlson. And to that, I say, Rachel Maddow, you want to have me on anytime. Right, exactly. Give Give you the ability to share your story. They don't want to hear from you. You make too much sense. Right. You're a threat to their way of thinking because you actually have um, your facts straight. You are someone that comes of their ilk and you are a threat to their way of thinking. So they're never going to let you on. (laughs) Right. Right. But 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 I will say, you know, anytime they want to have me, I'm there. Well, I hope they do. I absolutely do. So we will definitely put a link up to your book on our website and at concernwomen.org if anyone wants to go from there and make sure you can uh, purchase it. Kara, thank you for your time today. Thank you for fighting on this really important issue. Um, I think before the issue was raised and there were so many just really salient voices brought to the forefront on this, we were losing. But I really do think you know, parents especially have realized what's at stake. And so I'm prayerfully optimistic that we're going to make strides on this. And it may be the next administration before we get get it done, but certainly on a state by state basis, we need to be attacking this issue, we need to be protecting our kids in school, protecting our women athletes, protecting women in prisons, domestic violence shelters, which we didn't even have time to talk about Violence Against Women Act, which is a mess and we've been working on because of this issue. 
Um, but we've, we've got work to do, but we're going to do it. And we look forward to continuing to link arms with you, Kara, and others. And um, hopefully together we can win. I very much look forward to working with you, Penny. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for joining us on Concerned Women Today. Be sure and follow us and share our podcast with your friends and family. Be sure to order our Christian flag at ConcernedWomen.org as we prepare for Faith Month this April. We're asking Christians to fly their flag throughout the month to honor faith and freedom. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and of course, at ConcernedWomen.org. Thank you.